0: Alright, and welcome to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoza. Monday, bloody Monday. I hope you guys are doing well in this quarantine that seems to be coming to an end, right? Got lots to talk about today, guys. I want to recap the UFC, talk about a couple other things, a couple stories growing up, stuff like that. So let's just dive right into it. That was the band that was playing... On the intro is The Distillers, and the lead singer-slash-guitarist was Rose Mazzola. She's since left the band, but that album's really good, and she jams out pretty hard, so I, I get into it, I get into it. So the UFC, guys, that was, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it or watch some of the highlights, but it was intense. I watched the highlights, I completely slipped my mind. I also didn't think I would have an interest. I thought it would be weird because there's no crowd, right? So these guys are fighting for an interim title with no crowd. And it's Joe Rogan, a couple of the ringside people, the officials, and then there's a fight on It's eerily quiet. I don't know. It just didn't strike my attention. I thought Ferguson was going to run over Gehe. But that's not what happened at all. If you guys watch the highlights of Justin Gehe versus Tony Ferguson, he beat down Ferguson Which we've never seen Ferguson, you know. We've seen him absorb punches. I think one of the problems is if you have a good chin, people know you have a good chin. That kind of means you don't have that great of head work, (laughs) right? Like you're not moving your head offline. You're taking a lot of shots. So Tony's got a great chin. Justin just hits that hard. And his face just looked like it exploded. He also ate a leg kick, uh, I think, in the earlier rounds. And if you watch the highlights of the fight, They slow it down, and Tony goes from being planted on his foot to coming on his tippy-toe as a kick hits above his knee. It looks like he just blew out his, his ACL or something like that. It was nasty. But fighting with no crowd, it had to have been a complete mindfuck. I'm not sure if that's what happened with Tony. I'm not sure if it was his age or if Justin just got his number. But, wow. It was just something that's never really been done before. That's some backyard gladiator kind of shit where, you know, let's meet, meet me behind the shed and we're going to fucking duel. That sort of thing, right? Because we've seen John Jones talk about he walks out into the crowd before one of the fights and they said, why did you do that? And he said, I wanted to get the energy off the people because it's so electric. And if you go to a UFC event, you should go to one. You know, I've been to one. If you're into fights, guys, I went to one UFC event. We had really good seats, but since the cage is there, you can't see that much. So you end up just watching the big screen. But the energy—it's unmatched. All those people standing and screaming and going crazy. And I went with a few friends, and it was just great. And we got to go hang out with some of the fighters after. It was—it was amazing. So he—he goes out there to get the energy off the crowd, and he feels it. And you know, there's something to be said about that because if you guys watch—if you guys know Jim Morrison from the Doors. (laughs) <laughs> There's a documentary where he goes out into the crowd before one of the shows. And everyone's like, kind of just, what the fuck is going on? They see a, a people starting to go crazy. It's all quiet. And it's Jim Morrison walking around the crowd. <laughs> and he's looking at the brochures for the show. And he's talking to some girl. He's like, oh, where'd you get this? He's probably high on acid. He's like, where'd you get this? And she's like, oh, from the gift shop. He's like, well, that's great. Like, Can I have this one? <laughs> and he's just <laughs> probably tripping balls. And he enjoys tripping people out. And, but he, he just likes to be amongst the crowd. You know, I can't imagine that kind of electricity that goes on as a, a musician or a fighter at, um, at that high of a level. I know for me fighting at a very small level, a crowd is huge. Uh, it can be very detrimental to some people where they freeze under the pressure, which is understandable. For me, I like to use it as if people are there to watch me, I do like the sort of gladiator thing where I'm like, I will show them something they've never seen before. Or I go into the... If they're against me, I'm like, I'm going to fuck this guy up in front of you. <laughs> and you're going to watch. <laughs> so, I try to take whatever energy it is and flip it to my um, my strength. But it definitely has something to do with how you're performing, how you're pushing yourself. When you land a shot, you hear that scream. So, I'm not... That's that's just a whole other level of fighting that. I, it really intrigues me. I like it. I like it. So... I started working on the Airbnb a couple of weeks ago, and we f- were putting a mural on the side. I talked talk to some of the listeners, the regular listeners, all two of you, that <laughs> that um, I was gonna put a mural of the dogs that I had sort of that passed away, and sort of a tribute to the dogs of the past, dogs of the future. And uh, I told the story of Law and how she got shot by the cops, but I wanted to to talk about Vegas real quick because. My dog, Vegas, was this black German Shepherd, really sweet dog, got it from the pound, and he used to sleep under my feet. I slept in the living room at the time because we didn't have – I'm not too sure why. I know when I drink, it's a drunk thing, that you sleep on the couch. I think it's because you don't want to be alone with your thoughts. Like There's a lot of anxiety, so you pretty much have to pass out. So you'll sit in front of the TV and you drink. And your brain just turns off and you wake up and you just keep going sort of thing. Because if you're in bed, there's a point where you're alone with yourself and you're alone with your thoughts. And if you can't be alone with your thoughts in those situations, it's not good. I couldn't be. So I think I slept in the living room. And it was a cold winter and we didn't have a heater. So we had this really old floor heater that we got fixed. We paid some you know, cheap worker to come by and do a little sort of ghetto rig. And it worked the thing about carbon monoxide is you can't smell carbon monoxide right when there's a gas leak it smells like rotting eggs and they do that for a reason so that you know oh something's wrong there's a gas leak and you can get out of the house call the gas company they come by for free check any leaks that kind of thing carbon monoxide you can't tell that this guy pretty much installed it ass backwards so the carbon monoxide sprang into the room carbon monoxide settles on the ground and my dog vegas would sleep on the ground So one morning we woke up and he was coughing, nonstop coughing. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And his chest is is heaving. So we go to the vet and the vet thinks it's kennel cough. So they're they're kind of doing some tests. They take some blood. They're like, we don't know what's going on with the dog. So they wouldn't keep him because they thought he might have been contagious. They didn't know what it was. So they sent me home with this fucking dying dog. So I'm sitting with the dog. And I don't know what's going on. So I'm, I crush up Vicodin. You know, he's bad. He looks bad. He sounds bad. He's in pain. So I crush him a bunch of Vicodin. And I start putting it in a, um, what are those things called, like the, uh, where you suck up water, damn it, like a tincture sort of thing, turkey baster. And I'm spraying Vicodin down his throat so he can at least not be in pain. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm calling other vets. And I think this was going on for about eight hours. And we're in the bathroom at this point. He kept walking and then kind of falling. It was really sad. Finally, he goes in the bathroom because I think it was cooler. So he was like laying on the floor. And I kind of put him in my lap as I'm on the phone. And he kind of coughs. A bunch of blood comes out of his mouth and he just dies. And I was like, no. It was so traumatic. So fucked up. And I find out probably about a couple months later when the gas company comes because my aunt in the house She lives in this back part of the house. Her heater's not working. And she's like, oh, yeah, you could just call the gas company. So the gas company comes down. They're like, you have a huge carbon monoxide leak in the house. So they come in the house and they fix the leak. And they're like, yeah, it's been leaking carbon monoxide. And I asked them, I said, like, I didn't know at the time, you know, the process of carbon monoxide. And they pretty much were, they said, yeah, like, no, without a doubt, that's what killed your dog. So for someone coming in and fixing it, which wasn't my doing, my dog died. So when you're fucking around with gas and stuff like that, you got to pay. You get what you pay for sort of thing. I didn't know that. And unfortunately, my poor dog, you know, paid the consequence ultimately. So I had this mural done to sort of, uh, you know, just pay respects because it sucks when animals die. Because, again, I've, I've said it before. We're the ones that mourn for them. Nobody else, but even your your good friend, unless you spend a lot of time with the dog, is just like, you know. Well, that sucks. They don't really understand the, the magnitude of what you're going through, right? So I had that done. It got finished. And we had our first guest the day it was getting finished. This lady and her daughter, she said, we're going to come by. And they were going to stay for a couple nights. And I told her, I said, we have someone painting. They're going to be working late in the night, so maybe it's not a good idea. She said, I don't mind the construction. We're just going to come by if that's okay. So we haven't had anybody in the room for you know over a month probably two months. So I go back there just to tidy up and all of a sudden I get a call like, Hey, we're here. The dogs are out. Is that okay? And I was like, Whoa, give me a minute to, you know, clean up and get things situated. So I scramble to do that. She comes in, the artist is there. I introduce her to everybody and she goes outside and grabs one of her friends and like three kids and they come in. But the space was only reserved for two people. And we do that on purpose because we don't want people having parties, more guests that aren't liable and don't care. And she has a dog, which is fine because we're pet friendly. So she goes in the back with all the people, and she goes, "Don't worry, they're not going to stay." They ended up staying till like eleven thirty at night, and then they left. But it's fine; it wasn't a big deal. But we got that going, and it's we started getting bookings this week nonstop. So it looks like that Airbnb is about to to pick back up, and hopefully, everything else seems like it it is picking back up. It's it's so confusing, right? Because it's first of all when this whole quarantine thing went down i didn't understand it i it said you know from what the information i got because i don't watch the news regularly the news is poisonous for sure everybody knows that right a lot of it's bullshit a lot of it some news sources are true i usually read the la times that sort of thing and it said wear a mask or don't wear a mask it said social distance and wash your hands that's pretty much all we got I was like, cool, I could do that. I was still trying to meet up with friends and meet and do, get some workouts in and stuff like that. Come to find out that that's a huge no-no. <laughs> I didn't know that. So once I found that out, I'm like, okay, I'll tell my friends that we can't hang out because they can give it to me because they may be asymptomatic. I can give it to my girlfriend's parents or whatever the case is, right? So I stayed away from people as a, you know to look out for them. And now they open things up. But they're saying wear a mask everywhere, so now we can socialize if we wear a mask. No, you shouldn't be around anyone. You should still practice. So like, It's very confusing. It's not cut and dry. There's a lot of gray areas. So I understand the confusion, but it's – yeah, it's just really bizarre. And um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen because I read a couple places in Pasadena. You see people having parties and gatherings now, and then they're coming out with, oh, these people were at a party and everyone there got sick. So it's still really confusing. Um, I'm doing the best just to stay away from people out of respect for people that I see. Me personally, I'm not worried about it like I've said before. But if it could help save somebody else, I'll do it. But it's really confusing. (laughs) And it's frustrating because I find myself going stir crazy and getting pissed off at people and just being extreme. Especially uh, last week, my back went out. So I'm laying on the couch for most of the day. And uh I was reading social media and again I went into comments and da da and it just po- it's poison. And I'm just like fuck this person and da I start going off and getting into it with people that don't agree with me. Which is never a good call. People that you know, that's narcissism when people are do what I say and da da and I only care if it affects me and it's just uh, I don't want to be that guy. So I just started blacking out. I went and post, I got off, I don't check anything and i'm a lot happier <laughs> this is 3 days later i'm a lot happier today than i have been in a while like this past week and it's just frustrating because i think everyone's on edge because we're stuck in the house with the same people um i'm reacting poorly to you know behavior that's happening on the property and all that kind of stuff so i just wish there was a a clean a clean cut and dry way of doing things <laughs> that we could abide by I gave uh, one of my old computers away, and uh, when I gave it away, I told the guy, I said, don't look at any porn on this computer, you know, use it (laughs) for your banking stuff, that way you don't get hacked, and you can check your emails and stuff like that without any problem. You start going on porn, you're going to get pop-ups, they're going to infest your computer, you go into your bank, boom, they steal your stuff, they got all your information, right? So... um." Yeah, I just, it made me think of this story <laughs> where my pops, I was in, I think like 8th grade, ninth grade, and I had a Macintosh computer. So it's a Mac, Macintosh. And there was this game, it was like Furby's kind of thing where you go into a store and there's little animals and you could buy them. And that's pretty much what we did. And the guy that sold us the computer was like, oh yeah, you could watch TV. And he tapped a couple buttons and the TV went on. And, you know, he's a, he's a salesman. So we ended up getting the computer. I didn't know what to do with it. I just sat on it, played video games, played Minecraft, stuff like that. And then I just sat in the corner forever. And when I turned, you know, through puberty, I started going on porn and stuff like that or trying to. And I went on one website and they ended up charging like $500 to the house. And my pops is like, like, you know, he's trying to give me the talk without giving me the talk. So, he's like, son, did you uh, buy some adult material? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't even know what he's talking about. And he said, there was some adult. Uh, we, after 30 minutes of beating around the bush, he's like, there was adult, adult entertainment purchased. Adult entertainment. Like, trying to hint at me. And I was like, oh. And then when it clicked, I was super embarrassed. I was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> so... He ended up calling and say he was a minor and he shouldn't have been on it. You shouldn't allow him access to that or something. And I'm not going through, but woo memories. I just thought about that. I was watching this movie today, and there's a scene where they're all in the gym and they're all the guys are on there and showering and talking shit and stuff. And I'm just sort of uh, baffled by it because did any of you guys change and shower in front of your friends in high school? Cause I didn't, you know, we went in the locker, sometimes you take your shirt off and you, you put some deodorant on and that was it. I don't know anybody that showered really. And if you did your hair, you didn't want to, you know, go hard in gym class cause you didn't look like scum the rest of the day. So, you know, you kind of sit out and don't really do it. Plus gym class was the most you would do is that mile test. You know, you run a mile. Usually you played volleyball or, or some kind of activity, but. No one was getting fit and in shape from gym class, you know, <laughs> I, I, at least at my school. I don't know how other schools were. I'm curious. Let me know if you guys had a school where you went to and you had to go full frontal because that would have must be traumatizing for a young man. And then, you know, they give you like some boot camp workout and you're in there like doing burpees and stuff like we did like jumping jacks as we stretched. We ran sometimes. I smoked a bunch of cigarettes, so I <laughs> remember senior I did a, like a, the mile test and I, I ran at like seven something and I was heaving up stuff and I was like, I gotta quit smoking <laughs> in high school. <laughs> ah! Our gym teacher was just drunk football coach and he used to show up with these big dark circles around his eyes and just you know, be drinking his office. His office smelled like booze, his coffee was full of whiskey. Very uh movie like. Great stuff, great stuff. <laughs> Ah. Well, I just wanted to check in with you guys. I think next week I'm supposed to have my brother on. Now, my brother has done a lot of things as far as you know, drugs and stuff like that. He's been the program for over 10 years. He's got a lot of knowledge to share with us on that. Uh, as well as I want to ask him some prison stuff, some gang stuff. He told me a story about his friend buying crack in Altadena. Which, that's why I say my neighborhood changed so much. I posted this video of a bunch of kids playing on their lawn. And they're playing in sync. It's like these, you know, 15-year-old white kids. And all the older neighbors are out like, yeah, clapping and sort of, you know, six feet apart without even asking. They just did it. And they're all sort of cheering them on. And I was like, that's cool. But back in the day, this was the area where it was, uh, I think it was Altadena Block Crips, the ABCs. Uh, squiggly lanes the bloods and they would fucking go at it you know there'd be shootings left and right there was a shooting down here probably a month ago but that was the first one in a long time and it was a few miles away from my house and it wasn't that populated you know now there's a population of 45,000 people in Altadena so it's crazy the street below me it's still a little bit ghetto it's a lot of the older families but the street I, I live on we've seen every neighbor that's next to us or diagonally across or in front of us has gone. They've either been evicted, they moved out, or they sold. Because when the market crashed um, back in, uh, I forget what year it was, 2008, something like that, everyone lost their house. You know, banks were repossessing houses left and right. So we got all kinds of new neighbors. There's an Australian guy, there was a firefighter. Um, it's just different families all from all over the world. So the neighborhood's changed a lot. But my brother was telling me a story when it was the hotbed for buying crack out here. So people would come out here, you know, yo, you serving? And then they'd sell you some crack and you'd be on your way. <laughs> so I want to touch base about that stuff. Maybe I'll do like a, uh, a question format if somebody has any questions about addiction. I know when we did the podcast with my friend Daniel Hale, it was the most replayed um, episode we had. And I think it's because he had a lot of positive things to say. Also interesting. I think it's very interesting to hear someone's struggles going through drug addiction and stuff like that. And that's one of the good things about the program for me. Uh, There's not too much I like about it. But I do like to hear people's stories of triumph. And, you know, everyone likes to hear that comeback story. You know, people completely fucking up their lives and turning it around. Which is obviously a case in definitely me and my brother. So... Uh, we get to talk about that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be good. Um, it's funny, too. I forgot to mention this, but when Justin Gahey won, they were like, oh, did you know Tony Ferguson could take a shot like that? And Justin's like, I'm half Mexican. I know who El Cucuy is. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The gingers are taking over. <laughs> it's funny how every culture has gingers, sort of. Like Mexicans, there's a lot of Mexicans that have, like Canelo, red-headed, light skin, And same with the Vikings and... You know, different uh, cultures—they have that, those oddball gingers everywhere once in a while, which is really cool. It's, uh, I'm, I think I'm half ginger, so daywalker. But yeah, all right, guys, stay tuned. Uh, hope you guys have a good day. Stay positive, and uh, let's keep it going, guys. Take care.